Good morning, Hope Mark. I'm glad to be with you uh, this morning to open God's Word, and I hope you have a copy of God's Word. Uh, You can turn uh, in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1. And as you turn there, uh, let's take a moment and uh, pray and ask that God would uh, bless His Word and instruct us and and teach us uh, this morning. Father in heaven, we uh, come before you in awe of your goodness and your grace. Lord, that we uh, come before you in awe that nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. And Father, we uh, come before you and ask that as we turn our attention to your word this morning, that you would instruct us, that you would teach us. Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would Uh, Build us up in our faith, Lord, that you would even uh, convict us of sin, convict us of areas of blind spots that uh, we need to uh, submit to you, we need to repent of, and we need to grow in. Lord, we pray now that you would bless your word in our lives. Teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Proverbs chapter one, so you can uh, turn in your Bibles there with me. Uh, A number of years ago, I began a new job, and uh, as I began this new job, as the weeks went by and the months went by, uh, I grew increasingly more anxious and uptight and perplexed, uh, because as I was at this job, I grew more and more aware that there were fundamental and key differences in values that I had and my employer had. And I remember there were sleepless nights sometimes thinking about what I should do and the question that kept coming up in my mind that I was asking myself during this uh, moment in my life was, what is the wise thing for me to do? And I was asking myself this question because it wasn't clear. On the one hand, I thought I should just quit my job and uh, trust the Lord. But in another sense, I wrestled with, is that the wise thing to do? Because I had bills, I had financial responsibilities. And on the other hand, I wrestled with, do I stay at my job and and be conflicted and then look for a new job? Was that the wise thing to do? I wrestled with this deeply. What was the wise thing to do? Some of us right now, we're at a crossroads. There's big decisions before us and we're asking the same question. What is the wise thing for me to do? But it's not just the big things in life, not just the big decisions we need wisdom in, right? If you've lived for any length of time, you realize life is not simple. Life is complex. That it's not just the black and white issues that we need wisdom in, it's the gray issues. And this morning, we turn our attention to Proverbs chapter 1, and it is going to instruct us in wisdom. And the Bible speaks so often of God's people and their need for God's wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the believers in the city of Ephesus and he said to them this, he said, Look carefully how you live, not as the unwise, but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. We feel that. We feel that. The days that we live in are evil. That there is the possibility that we could live lives that are unwise. And in fact, we need God's wisdom if we are going to live lives that are pleasing and good and honoring to him. 
And we need wisdom not just in the big decisions, but in the little ones, in the day in and day out of being parents. We need wisdom in the day in and day out as conflict arises at work. We need wisdom day in and day out as the society we live in feels like it's on fire at times and such polarizing issues. We need the wisdom of God. And this morning, we see in Proverbs 1 that God's people must walk in wisdom. And the writer of Proverbs 1, Solomon, he answers two very important questions for us, two questions we are going to have answered this morning, why we need wisdom, why we are so desperate in need of God's wisdom. And the second question he answers is how. How do we actually walk in the wisdom of God? How do we grow in the wisdom of God? So you have your copy of God's word open. We are going to be reading Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. You can follow along with me. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and to sang the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is God's word. To give us some context of Proverbs, as we uh, dive into this, uh, really there's not any direct, specific context that Proverbs uh, is found in the Old Testament. In some ways, this is a magnificent thing in God's uh, good Uh, in in gracious spirit, putting together God's word. There is no direct uh, context for Proverbs, and this is intentional. It's actually to underscore the universal nature of the wisdom that is found in the wisdom literature books of the Bible, in Job, in Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, that it is to be uh, the wisdom for God's people At all times, every generation, the wisdom that is found in this book is going to speak to how God's people can live wisely. And we see two really unique things about the book of Proverbs right off the bat. We see how the book of Proverbs communicates, and we see who wrote the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is written differently than other books in the scripture. It's different than the gospels. It's different than narrative, and we see that it communicates in Proverbs. And Proverbs is uh, a little truth really packaged uh, into an illustration, illustrating daily life. To give you an example of, of many, here is one proverb that illustrates truth. It says, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That it's easy to remember. It's truth illustrated. And we see a second thing about this wonderful book, that it was Uh, compiled by a man named Solomon. That Solomon was the son of David. He was the king of Israel. And this is important because Solomon was no chump. He wasn't some random guy that compiled this book. In fact, uh, of all the people that could have compiled this book, it makes sense that he was the man to do it. 1 Kings 
Chapter 4, verse 29 and 30 say this of Solomon. They say, it says that, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. This is the man who compiled the book of Proverbs and he is credited to have written many of them. And we now come to what is called the prologue of the book of Proverbs. And it is the doorway we enter in to uh, receiving the wisdom of God. And it's not just the doorway. It's the pathway. It's the pathway we walk. And we see one question he answers right off the bat is why? Why do we need the wisdom of God? If God's people must walk in wisdom, why? Why do I need wisdom? And he gives us three reasons why God's people need wisdom need wisdom, not an optional add-in, but need it. And the first, he says, is in uh, verse 2. He says, to know wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom and instruction. And he unpacks what this is in verse 3 and 4. So to know wisdom and instruction in verse 2. Verse 3, it says, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. The first reason why God's people need wisdom is that wisdom, the wisdom of God, helps us live with upright character. It helps us live with upright character. Look with me again at verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. I read those words and I can't help but think how absent these are today. How absent they are in our society today. Because people are not walking in the wisdom of God. That these very things that God's wisdom instructs us in, that they help us in as we live, touch every facet of our life. The wisdom of God is going to instruct us in wise dealings. How many of us need wisdom in wise dealings? In our uh, interactions with our kids? In our interactions with our parents? Interactions with our friends or our neighbors? Interactions with our coworkers or our employees or uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? We need his wisdom in wise dealing. In righteousness, justice, in equity. It is the wisdom of God that is going to instruct us in how we live our lives with upright character. We see another thing, a second reason why we need wisdom. Not just upright character, but uh, in verse 2, he explains the second thing. Why we need wisdom? To understand words of insight, it says at the end of verse 2. And he unpacks this more in verse 6. It says, to understand a proverb. And a saying, the, word, the words of the wise and their riddles. The second reason we need wisdom is it instructs us in right thinking. It instructs us in how we think through daily life. In fact, he actually unpacks it and relates it to this very book, the book of Proverbs. That right thinking, as we wrestle through and think through the book of Proverbs, and an example would be sexual sin. 
the book of Proverbs talks so much about sexual sin. And uh, it describes it uh, in two ways. The way of the fool and the way of the wise. And the foolish person, they see sexual sin as something that's not that big of a deal. They see it as something that is kind of harmless. Something that has really boiled down to a good time. In the Proverbs, they uh, really contrast what the wise person thinks of it and sees it. Have you noticed that? I love hanging out with wise people because often they see things in ways that I never saw. That I see things on the surface sometimes and then talking with a wise person, they see it from a completely different way that there's insights and learning and intelligence there and it, it just amazes me. Same thing for the wise person. That when they see the things that are going on in the world, when they look at sexual sin and they see that temptation, they realize that everything that that promises, everything that seems to our sinful hearts as innocent and good and not that big of a deal, that it is, in fact, such a big deal. It will lead to death. That the, one of the Proverbs says, can a man hold hot coals to his chest and not be burned? Referring to this. That it is like playing with fire and the wise person, instructed by God's wisdom, sees these things as they really are. It helps us think through the things of the book of Proverbs and think through the life that we live. And there's a, fourth re- or a third reason we see why we need wisdom. We need wisdom because it's going to instruct us in upright character. It's going to instruct us in right thinking. And the third reason is found in verse 4. Look with me. It says, to give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance The third reason why we need wisdom is because we're not wise. We are not wise from the simple to the seasoned. Simple, youth, wise. All of us need wisdom. Every single one of us falls into one of these three categories in here. Some of us were young people. We are not by nature wise. Some of us maybe are simple or foolish And we need wisdom. And some of us in here are wise. Maybe even more seasoned saints. And you know what? One of the sure ways to tell someone that is wise is that a wise person recognizes they haven't arrived. That they need more wisdom. Maybe they're wise, but they're they're not there yet. They haven't arrived. They need more wisdom. A common phrase that I, I sometimes say, and I hear a, a lot of people say it, maybe you've said it, is you live and learn, right? You live and learn. You make a mistake or something, you say, you live and learn. The book of Proverbs here is saying to the simple, to the youth, to the wise, don't live and learn. Learn and live. Learn and live. Come to God. Ask of him for his wisdom that some of us, We don't see the need we have for wisdom like the book of Proverbs is showing us and teaching us. Some of us, we do. We treat God's wisdom as something like, it would be nice to have, but I'm not dependent on it. 
I'm trying to uh, live my life for God as best I can and, and love people as best I can, but I don't need his wisdom to do that. It'd be nice, but I don't need his wisdom. God's word is clear. We need his wisdom. Some of us say, I have love. I'm trying to love people. If you love people and you don't have God's wisdom, you are going to harm people with the best intentions. Some of us are courageous and bold and want to be faithful witnesses for Christ. And if we don't have God's wisdom, we are going to boldly misstep. Some of us, we have the truth of God's word, but we don't have his wisdom in the conversations that we have with those that aren't believers, and we could end up actually making the gospel ugly to people because we, wide, we unwisely mishandle God's word and his truth. How many of us have the best technology that's ever been created in the history of the world? Each of us have a phone in our back pocket. We have technology but if we don't have the wisdom of God, we are going to use the best communications ever created to broadcast stupidity. We need God's word and his wisdom. We need his wisdom. We need it. How though? How do we get God's wisdom? We know the book of James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God in faith and God will give him wisdom. Is there an element of going to the Lord and, and praying earnestly and asking? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is how we can grow in our wisdom. Yet Proverbs here teaches us even another way that we can grow in wisdom. It's all of us in here, we recognize, I need wisdom, but How? How do I get this wisdom? How do I grow in this wisdom? What do I do, Matt? Tell me, please. What does God's word say? Verse 7 tells us how we can grow in wisdom, how we can walk in wisdom. It says this. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But if you were to boil down the book of Proverbs into one verse, if someone came up to you and said, what is uh, the book of Proverbs? Summarize it. This is the verse. This is the verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. How do we grow in wisdom? We grow in wisdom when we walk in the fear of the Lord. We grow in wisdom when we walk in the fear of the Lord. What the ABCs are to Shakespeare, what one plus one is to calculus, what scales are to Mozart, the fear of the Lord is to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is how we grow in wisdom. This word you see here, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That word, beginning, uh, it, it really means and has the meaning of the first thing, the principal thing, the chief thing. That it doesn't have the connotation of beginning and then ending, but it has the connotation of it being the foundational thing, that no one graduates from the fear of the Lord. You only continue to grow in it. 
Some of, some of us feel a little uncomfortable by this. Some of us maybe are thinking, the fear of the Lord? The, the New Testament doesn't teach us to walk in the fear of the Lord. Are we really to fear God? We know the Old Testament talks about this, and some of us, we even think of 1 John 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and over fears has not been perfected and love. Are we really to fear the Lord? So many of us, we bring so much baggage and presuppositions about fear. Does the New Testament actually teach that God's people are to walk in the fear of the Lord? Yes. To give you two examples, Acts chapter 9 verse 31, as it's talking about the church and it's growing and multiplying, it says this. It says this in Acts 9:31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Philippians chapter two, verse 12 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God's people are to walk in the fear of the Lord. And we need to ask ourselves, what is this fear? Because if we fail to understand what this fear is, we will fail to walk in the fear of the Lord. So many of us have uh, negative connotations of fear, right? So what is fear? What is this fear of the Lord? Well, theologians Uh, over the course of church history have distinguished between two senses of the word fear. The first being a servial fear and the second being a filial fear. A servial fear is the fear that a criminal would have for its uh, torture chamber or a criminal's fear of the executioner or a fear that a slave would have for a wicked master. That is a servile fear. And in one sense, for those that aren't in Jesus Christ, there is a real fear of God that we will be punished. The book of Romans is clear that the wrath of God is coming towards all those who walk in ungodliness. There is a real fear and terror that those that are not in Christ Jesus should have. But for God's people that have trusted in Jesus Christ, the the, the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, that we are justified by faith in him. There is no fear of being punished by God. So the fear that is often referred to of God's people walking in the fear of the Lord is a filial fear. What is a filial fear? The best illustration that uh, people use to describe a filial fear is that of a child, a well-behaved, well-mannered child, a child in his fear for his parents. A fear 
of his parents, uh, not uh, in the sense of uh, a fear of punishment and, and scared of his parents, but a fear of displeasing his parents, whom he loves and whom he finds his security in. This is a filial fear. This is a, a good fear. This is the fear that God's people should have for him. In fact, the fear of the Lord as we see, as we are uh, fearful of God in the sense that we are in awe of him and in a reverence of him, it moves us towards him. Just as a little child fears his mommy and his daddy and is in awe of them and loves them, it moves that child to be towards their father and their mother. The fear of the Lord moves God's children to, to please their heavenly father, to be with their heavenly father, but it also, the fear of the Lord also moves us away. It moves us away from wickedness and sin. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 16 6 says, the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Proverbs 19 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. The fear of the Lord moves us towards God, finding rest and joy and security in him, and it moves us away from sin in doing things that would displease him. In Jeremiah chapter 32, when it speaks of the new covenant, the new covenant that will be made by God, his son, Jesus Christ. It says this in Jeremiah 32, 40, about God's people. It says, I will make with them an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them and I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. The fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. It's not even a good thing. It is the best thing for God's people. It moves us towards him. So we need to ask ourselves, what do we fear? What are your deepest fears? Think about this for a moment. The answer to what you fear, your deepest fears are highly revealing because what we fear reveals what we love. Some of us, We fear losing our jobs because we find our love and our security in our jobs. Some of us, we fear uh, our children getting hurt because we love them. Some of us fear rejection and criticism because we love approval. And some of these fears, they are healthy fears. They are good fears. And some of the fears of our heart reveal deep-seated idols. Do we fear being a sinner or do we fear being seen as a sinner? Do we fear God or do we fear man? The fears that we have reveal deep priorities in what we treasure. Do we fear God? Do we fear God? What's amazing about verse 7 is it's not really an encouragement or a command Verse 7 is a statement of fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That knowledge begins with the fear of the Lord. 
how we understand the world we live in, how we understand who we really are, how we understand who God is, comes comes from a place of the fear of the Lord and fearing God and seeing him as he really is. That God is, the Bible talks about, is a consuming fire. Psalm 114 describes what happens when God's presence shows up. That when God shows up and his presence is there, it says the ocean waters flee. When God's presence show up, the mountains and the hills of the earth, they skip and run. We see throughout the scriptures, anytime God's presence comes up, men and women, they fall to their knees and they see their own sinfulness and they humble themselves. We see this even in the New Testament. When Peter recognizes that Jesus is God's son, he says, falls to his knees, away from me. I am a sinful man. That God's presence, when we enter his presence, we recognize his greatness, his power, his majesty, and there is a healthy fear there. But it's also a good thing because we tremble and see God for what he really is. He is not just great. He is good. In Chronicles of Narnia, one of my favorite children, children's books, I'm sure many of you have read it. It's a, it's, a, it's a classic. There is a point in the book when two of the main characters, two uh, young sisters, Susan and Lucy, they are about to meet the king of Narnia. And they find out that the king of Narnia is not a man, but a lion. And they're with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and so animals can talk in, in Narnia. Uh, I wanted to read a section uh, from that book uh, when Susan and Lucy prepare to meet the king of Narnia, Aslan. This is their exchange. It says, oh, said Susan, I thought Aslan was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, said Mrs. Beaver. And make no mistake, if, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Miss Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. What a picture of what our God is like, that he is great and glorious and majestic, and yes, he is good. So how do we grow in the fear of the Lord? Not a five-step plan, not do this or do that. We can grow in the fear of the Lord the same way that we receive eternal life, the same way we receive forgiveness, the same way we receive joy in Christ is going to the cross. And at the cross, we see the greatness and the power of God to be able to trample over sin and death. We see the greatness and the glory and the majesty and the power of God to be able to forgive sinful human beings. And at the cross, we see the goodness of God. The goodness of God, that God in his greatness and his power would take your place on the cross 
and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is how God's people can be saved and this is where God's people begin to grow wise. Would we be a church that walks in wisdom? Would you be a follower of Jesus that walks in wisdom? And we walk in wisdom when we walk in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess we are weak. We are nothing before your throne, Lord. Your word describes us as mere dust. And Lord, in your presence, we tremble. And we tremble, Lord, at your great power to be able to save sinners and we tremble at your goodness to be able and willing to redeem us from death and sin. And Lord, we ask and pray that we would be people that walk in the fear of the Lord. And Father, that you would fill us with uh, your wisdom as we walk in the fear of the Lord to be able to live lives that are pleasing and honoring and glorifying to you. Lord, would you give us your wisdom? Would you help us walk in your fear? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.